I don't have it all figured out. I never studied business. I never studied design. I make mistakes every day, but I don't care about making mistakes. I look at every mistake as an experiment, and experimenting is how you grow. And um, I'm just a little guy who's not afraid to fail. So if I can do this with something as weird as cupcakes on t-shirts, every single person can come up with a cool idea. You just have to roll with the punches, have fun, be, be able to ask for help, um, you know, make time to learn. And if something doesn't work out, you know, I started 16 businesses before this one. So... the first time i saw johnny cupcake's logo uh you know the cupcake and crossbones and immediately just kind of brought a smile to my face and and then it was like curiosity like what is this what is what's the story behind it and uh it's amazing to to see how johnny has built this brand sort of accidentally initially and then has built it into this fashion empire called Johnny Cupcakes and uh, I'm thrilled to to be able to interview him today and get the whole story for everybody because I think it's it's really inspiring. Before we get started I wanted to thank our sponsor for today's episode it's Dot Me. Make it easy for your clients to recognize your awesomeness by featuring your best work in one place, a place you own and control. Start building your online home with Dot Me, the most personal internet domain. Thank you, Dot Me, and we'll be uh, talking a little bit more about uh, Dot Me later on in this episode. But now, let's hear the story of Johnny Cupcakes. There's a quote. I think it's from your about page on on JohnnyCupcakes.com, but it says, "I had 16 different businesses before I was 16." So, I guess entrepreneurism and creating things has always always been with you yeah it's always been with me i i grew up outside of boston in a town called hull massachusetts or nantasket beach it's a very small peninsula and you know really fun town in the summertime but once winter comes um you know you, you have to get very creative if you want to have fun um some people choose to do uh hardcore drugs some people um uh, choose to move away and other people you know use their imagination and uh build tree forts and play capture the flag or <laughs> in some cases start a business uh, i think the the claim to fame that we have is the, the guy who started napster um was from Hull or, or started it was oh, really? when he was living in Hull at the time. No way. Uh, I remember my friend Juris delivered a, a pizza to his house when my friend was working for Papa Gino's <laughs> and uh, he got, he got a $20 tip and an Napster t-shirt and we, you know, we couldn't <laughs> believe it um, at the time. That's amazing. So, I grew up uh, seeing my parents commute to work and do that hustle. And I, uh, that, inspired me to figure out a way to spend more time with the people that I love. Um, so I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to, I didn't even know that word at the time. I just wanted to make things or find a way to make my own money so that someday I could 
possibly maybe spend some more time with the people that I love. Um, so I, I started with lemonade stands. Uh, I graduated having yard sales uh, when my family was not home. Um, that got me in some trouble. I, I my, That was my 24-hour business because I was just selling <laughs> things that, you know, were in the basement or in the junk drawer. Um, I didn't know they were still being used. Uh, you know, I had, I, I sold drinks along Nantasket beach. I, my bony adolescent limbs, I'd drag a cooler up and down the beach. I, I realized at a young age, I could get a, you know, a 12 or 24 pack of Coca-Cola for a significantly discounted price. And, um, winter came around and I needed a, a new job and I, you know, I shoveled snow. I, I charged people $20 a driveway and I could barely push that shovel, but it, it worked out to my advantage because people felt bad for me. So they would give me extra money and for tips and, um, my friends, you know, they'd be sledding uh, illegally on on uh, in Hingham, Massachusetts, at the South Shore Country Club. But uh, I, as much as I love doing that, I wanted to make some of my own money and maybe buy a better sled or buy my own garbage pail kid cards or X Men <laughs> trading cards. And um, but yeah, I, I just kept. I have all these other businesses. I. I sold glow sticks at one point uh, around 4th of July as a firework alternative. I would approach people's parents on, along the beach and say, hey, you know, if you don't want your kids playing with fireworks, you could buy a glow stick. And I you know, sold a bunch of those. Um, I, I was introduced at an early age to... Um, to wholesale. I, I used to buy so many pranks from this one joke shop um, in Weymouth. There was a mall called the Harbolite Mall. Uh, rest in peace. But this mall. Yeah. Um, this, That's where this, I was born. Weymouth. Uh, oh, it was. Oh, so you know, <laughs> yeah. you know the Harbolite Mall. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So Harbolite Mall, I've got so many stories about that mall, but the, the first <laughs> one I'll tell you is that um, this one store where you you know you'd go buy your candy, but they also sold pranks. Uh, it was kind of by the en- main entrance of the mall. Um, I would buy so many pranks that this guy introduced me to wholesale, you know, w- and I had no idea what it was. And he said, "Hey, kid, I, listen- I appreciate your business, but how would you like it if I told you you could get 144 whoopee cushions for the price of four retail whoopee cushions?" And I, so I was like, "Well, oh. oh, that's a lot of whoopee cushions. I don't know, but that's a really good deal. I just have to sell four of them at a retail price to make my money back, and the rest would be profits." So. That day, I left with the Bible to Entrepreneurship, the Oriental Trading Company catalog, and yeah. I, I was like, whoa, you could get a billion pieces of candy for $60, and, and if you sell them for a dollar a piece, you could make a billion dollars, and <laughs> at least that's what I thought, so I, I kept... Uh, you know, I, I ordered my whoopee cushions, and I got them the next week in the mail, and I began reselling them. Um, and this was a t- this was tough. No one was buying them, but I, I did sell a few, and I made my money back and more. Um, instead of people giving me money, most people would give me the middle finger when I was pranking them in the middle of class. And uh, <laughs> you know, you you don't want to play tricks on the, your customers, um, which is something I'm still trying to learn because I trick hungry people for a living. That's but, right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the, the whoopee cushions, I had so many left over. And what do you do when you have leftover inventory? Um, well, I 
you know, for the next couple of years, every, every one of my family, they got a whoopee cushion for their birthday, for St. Patrick's Day, for <laughs> Valentine's Day, for Christmas. Um, I was giving these out left and right. And then I came up with a cool idea. Um, finally, at, at lunchtime, I decided to trade my leftover whoopee cushions with other people for candy for their snacks or for, for whatever they were eating. And I would take their snacks and I would resell them to other people. And all of a sudden I was getting rid of, you know, old products, getting new money, new products and, and putting it right back into the business. And I I think that's one of the um, bigger lessons I learned at a younger age is how important it is to reinvest your money back into your brand, into your ideas, whether it be products or business cards or events. Um, and, and that's what I was doing. I was reinvesting my money back into itching powder, fart spray, stink bombs, switchblade combs, everything I shouldn't have been selling in school. I was selling in school. And, uh, this, I, I, someone got an allergic reaction to itching powder and had to get rushed to the emergency room and i almost got expelled from schools but i got suspended and when i went back to school i I had to come up with something else to sell and since most of my friends were selling drugs at the time i decided to sell candy Um, now that i'm introduced to the world of wholesale i know that i could buy anything in the world at inexpensive prices as long as i take that initial risk up front and uh, there was a school store, but I had all the good stuff. I had M&M, Sour Patch Kids, Sour Patch Watermelons, which are the next best thing to Blue Raspberry Gushers. And uh, these were going left and right. Uh, even my drug dealer friends were very impressed. And they were like, dude, how much money did you make? And I was like, guys, you're actually my number one customer because you have the munchies every day. And they were <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So I stayed clear of drugs and i stayed out of trouble even though i hung out with a lot of um a lot of funny people um but yeah that those are some of the hustles i I went to a charter school i had a hard time learning i never was put on any drugs for it instead my parents put me into a startup charter school the the south shore charter school it's now called the south shore public charter school but they uh, this school changed my life. I, I got to go to smaller classrooms, which helped me focus. I um, I got to learn hands-on. You know, instead of learning about marine biology in a book, we would go on whale watches and and visit different aquariums and interview people. Oh, yeah. And I think that really helped me retain a lot of information. Um, and then I also, you know, I was in this school with kids that were much older than me, kids that were younger than me, people from different towns, different cities. So it, it was, it was great. We even had a diversity class and, you know, we were learning about, you know, to, to go to a school in a small town and learn about things beyond a, a typical small town mentality was, um, was really new and, and refreshing at that age. Yeah. I um, bet. But yeah, those, those are some of the hustles. Uh, I, I think the hustle that had my gave me my biggest profit margins was um while my friends were hanging out with cute girls at parties i was hanging out with cute old ladies at joanne fabrics and (laughs) i I had a new business idea i would go up and down the fleece fabric aisles of joanne fabrics and i would buy a yard of fleece fabric that was on sale for three dollars and i would cut it in three strips with a pizza cutter 
And if you cut fleece fabric the right way, it does not fray. So if you can cut pizza, you can cut this fabric. And I would resell these scarves for, um, you know, 30 bucks a piece. And I was making $90 anytime I spent $3, so an $87 profit. Um, I, I had them sold at, you know, different craft fairs. I was selling them at some stores around New England. And I, I was realizing how valuable my time was at a young age. So I, I've to this day, I've never, you know, I've never tried any drugs, even though I know a lot of words to, to gangster rap music. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've never had a sip of beer. I've never been drunk before. I've purchased alcohol just because of the cool typography and, and inspirational packaging. But um, but wow, I've never, wow. never had a sip of alcohol. I've never had the desire to be drunk. And I, I think it's partially from growing up with a lot of troublemakers and um mm. you know my, my dad drank a bunch when i was younger and i think that that um that was one of the big things that turned me off i was afraid that i would you know be addicted and as a person who collects things i know that if i if i tried marijuana which i i you know if i tried it i know that i would want to try every possible strain of marijuana um, and if I drank, <laughs> I'd want to, yeah, I want to try it all and I'd want to collect it. And I, I just, um, I don't know. And I have fun anyways. I just don't, I, I just don't need it right now. Um, but anyhow, at a young age, I was saving so much money and not only was I saving money from not partying, but I was saving uh, a tremendous amount of time. Um, by not going out on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and recouping Sundays and half of Mondays, I was saving. I had five days a week um, where I had a bit more time and money and energy and focus than a lot of uh, the kids that I went to school with. And it allowed me to um, focus. It allowed me to um, experiment. And, and that's that's what you have to do to find out what you're passionate about. Um, but, Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was a wild adventure. That that's wild. So, so I mean, early on you're, you're just kind of, you had that focus and drive. Um, the focus. And, yeah. And yeah. the curiosity too. I just, I, yeah. I sold Tupperware too. That was a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre adventure. <laughs> um, speaking of Weymouth, another Weymouth connection, I was at Stop and Shop in Weymouth, and this cute old lady came up to me, and she said, how would you like to win a free minivan? And I said, I'd li- yeah, sure, I'd love to win one. What, what, tell me what I got to do. She said, you just got to sell Tupperware. And I said, all right, I can do that. So I, <laughs> I, I, I started selling Tupperware when I was you know, a teenager. And I, I would go to these meetings, um, which you know, it felt like uh, Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise, that movie. And uh, <laughs> it was definitely a little creepy at first. But uh, I, I was the only guy there. I was the only person my age. And... Uh, it was incredible. I, I learned two big things. Um, one, I, I learned about French onion dip that day, which completely changed my <laughs> life. And two, I, I learned about these orange peelers, these plastic orange peelers that you would give out as an incentive to anybody that signed up for uh, for a Tupperware party or that that purchased extra Tupperware. So at a young age, I you know I I realized how valuable it was to and how important it was to thank your customers and your clients and to give them something unordinary. Um, but yeah, and anyhow, that happened in Weymouth. I, I, I remembered. 
Um, (laughs) One of my first jobs was in Weymouth at the Harbolite Mall at Building 19. I worked in the greeting card section. Oh, Um, yeah, Building 19. I remember that. I don't think I was legally allowed to work there because I think I was 14 at the time. Um, But for my Christmas bonus, they gave me this little bruised turkey, and I was so proud to take that, that, you know partially deformed turkey home to my parents and and have this you know thanksgiving dinner but uh or, or christmas dinner so the, the bonus was actually a turkey it, it was a turkey a very small bruised turkey <laughs> bruised turkey that's incredible uh, i you know along with um all that entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit like was was also you know branding and design it was that conscious in your mind at the same time or um did that come kind of later with with you know so i collected a lot of he-man action figures and oh, yeah right from that packaging you know little things like that like cracker jacks with the prize inside i yes, I, yes. That, that feeling of getting not only a prize with something but a surprise something you don't even know what's inside of it um yeah those things stuck with me getting a hologram card, hologram gambit card with a, a pack of X-Men trading cards. Um, they, when you're a kid, it's, it's this, it's the Christmas Eve feeling. It's the, the first date feeling. It's these, the tingles that you don't often get from buying a product nowadays. I mean, I remember when you would buy a, a, you know, a Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper and, you had a chance of winning. It would straight up tell you on the cap. And then at some point you had to type in a 30 digit case sensitive, um, you know, series of numbers and letters online. And now they're making money off of advertising to you while you go check out if you won or not. Um, so what are those contests? Those are contests. Those, those were great. They, they were the best. Um, yeah. The, the very, uh, crudely printed, code on the underneath the cap yeah yeah yeah. and you might be drinking half of the code if you shook up your uh your drink before you (laughs) had it but i think those kind of stuck with me uh consciously and and subconsciously i just um yeah I, i remember when i was hustling my pranks in school um at one point um i made this prankster pack way before time when I was a teenager at the charter school and I had all of this inventory, um, I would package them up and I would sell these like prank boxes. So you would get some surprises in there. Uh, And I remember I called it the, the Johnny Mac prankster pack. And, you know, I hand wrote it on there and I had some fancy tape and I would reuse sneaker boxes for these. Uh, I I remember giving one to my friend Rick Barton at the time for his birthday um, over the summer. And he was elated and, and really excited, but um, but yeah, th- those, those things stuck out, you know, when I started making, uh, t-shirts later on, I, anytime someone bought a shirt, I would make sure to give them a small token of appreciation, um, uh, whether that be, uh, you know, a vintage Ninja Turtles or new kids on the block trading card or, uh, you know, a sticker or some candy that you don't normally see at the store, just something to give, get them talking and, and to make them feel good. And it wasn't 
so much of a marketing idea as it was just the way my parents raised me to thank, be thankful and, and thank people. Huh. And, um, wow. And, that, and that, that's, that's so like valuable for a brand, right? To just those, all those things you're talking about, there's, they, I remember them and, and they're so critical. They are. I, I mean, looking back, uh, any cereal that I purchased was solely based on what prize was inside <laughs> of the box. Um, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, getting losing your teeth. You'd be so excited as a kid for the tooth fairy to come to get that little surprise and, and to get that feeling of, of um, I don't know, that, that <laughs> magic. And it's, I think everybody can incorporate that sense of wonderment in whatever that whether you're providing a service or selling a product if you are at all interacting with any other human you can for sure make them feel better beyond sending them an invoice um i mean there's a there's a hundred and one ways to do it um you know right now i am you know getting carpal tunnel syndrome i i made a deal with myself that uh I told myself that this year I've got all these LinkedIn connections, which LinkedIn is the, is the most valuable thing that I've ever utilized. Um, for the longest time, I wouldn't go on it because I thought it was, um, I thought it was for old people. And then I became old and, um, (laughs) I love it. Uh, it's for young people too. It's for everybody. But when I was younger and it first came out, I was like, Maybe it's because I got so much spam for LinkedIn that I just decided to write it off. But um, but I told myself this year, I've got all these LinkedIn connections. You know, what do I do with them? I'm going to write handwritten letters, postcards, typed messages. I'm going to send them physical mail. Even if it's more than 6,000 people, I'm going to do it. So uh, just, <laughs> wow. just the other day, I wrote... Um, I think 70, 73 postcards. And I didn't just say, Hey, let's work together. I, you know, I made it personalized and I, and I'm not sending them to everyone I'm connected with. I'm sending them to the people that I want to do business with. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think. Has that always been a, um, you know, something you've done for your brand, like, um, reaching out with physical things or just going the extra mile there it ha- it has been um yeah yeah because i again i know that feeling and if you can make someone feel feel that even if you don't have a business write a note to your wife or your your child or your um colleague or an old teacher who taught you something that completely changed your life or or helped you get through school um it really doesn't take much to to make someone's day make their year and you can it it can go beyond an email and a text message um that again that that human element is so important and you know i I see brands i see people starting brands um left and right which is great but sometimes people will get stuck um on social media which is a very important tool but it could be so damaging and it could be the biggest time suck and if you're not marrying your digital presence with creating real life relationships through networking events and parties and, and going to different, I don't know, workshops or festivals, um, it, 
it could be very damaging to your personal growth and your professional growth and your circle of uh, contacts. If, if you really want to grow that, you know, if I met someone in person and I got an email from them a few weeks later, I would certainly reply to that email. If I got a cold email from somebody, there's a chance I could reply to it, but it all depends on what I'm doing that day. And it's probably not going to be the first thing on the top of my mind. So true. Oh, it's so true. And I, I feel like that's even more important, you know, today where so much of our communication is, is digital. And at the end of the day that, you know, it's, I, I've always found it's those relationships that, that matter the most anyway. So. Yeah, no, it is. I, I even went as far as, uh, I was getting my teeth cleaned or maybe I was getting a cavity checked out in, uh, in the city in Boston. And for some reason I, I got out of that chair and I wanted to buy a typewriter and I, looked online and I found a typewriter shop called Cambridge typewriter right in Arlington, Massachusetts. Huh. <laughs> and I went there and I bought a typewriter from the 1930s and, uh, and I started typing notes to my customers, to some of my clients, um, to family members. Uh, I, I, I don't know it not being on my computer felt so therapeutic and people receiving real mail, um, they celebrated it. And I don't know, I could, I could talk for years about the importance of that and, and the different ways to do that. Once again, this episode is brought to you by Me. Only a personal website allows you to truly express yourself as an artist and a professional. Most importantly, it gives you the control over your content. Whether you decide on a your name, surname, dot me combination, or a catchy call to action for your domain name, nothing says personal better than dot me. Dot me is trusted by almost a million people and businesses from all over the world, including some big brands like Facebook, PayPal, and Spotify. Dot me, short, sweet, and personal. Thanks to Dot me for sponsoring again such a cool top level domain and uh really everybody should have one of these the idea of surprise and thanking your customers that, that was sort of ingrained in you early on and obviously you're with johnny cupcakes right that i feel like the whole the whole brand is 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 that it's it's almost like you you were practicing for <laughs> the main yeah. event you know, right? Yeah. Um, and, and and I've I visited the store, your your flagship store there in, on Newbury Street in Boston, and um, I think it's it's an amazing experience uh, uh, because you know you walk in and, and it looks like a, a bakery, and there's vintage ovens, and all the shirts are in bakery cases, and I guess it'd be cool to dig into like the origin of that because yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it sounds like the brand maybe started a little accidentally if if i if my research is right you can correct me if i'm wrong there but but then at the same time you know how you've evolved it and grown it in it sounds like you you had been practicing you know for much of your life uh, yeah i've been waiting for this accident to happen so <laughs> yeah right. so to speak yeah so i was uh so I was in a hardcore metal band called On Broken Wings, and uh, I played samples in the band. I, I put in, you know, samples from horror movies in between 
heavy metal riffs and breakdowns and and i was by the way is that the name on broken wings like from the song uh yeah well we didn't take it from the song but yeah yeah it's the same the same yeah uh, yeah. love it it. great great as the band was starting i I was still you know i was working at ben and jerry's i i had a job there in uh hingham massachusetts there was used to be a ben and jerry's at crow point um and hingham and i'd be scooping ice cream and chiseling off ice cream scum off of my arm hair every night peeling it off like like it was elmer's glue and uh at some point i you know i I was in a couple bands when i was a teenager i was in a a rap band uh called sweeps uh we speaking of packaging um i got us a show at cbgb's when we were like 14 15 years old too young to even drive to new york city wow Um, but i knew i i i had a hunch that whoever chooses to book bands receives a lot of demo tapes. And if I'm going to send one, I'm going to send it in the most uh, wild packaging with a personal note. And we got a gig there. I was on a Wednesday night in front of like three people at midnight, but we, we played there and it was, it was pretty sweet. We brought a stranger with us to drive us, which was uh, pretty wild, but we, uh, we made it. That's amazing. And, so yeah, I got into another band on Broken Wings, and while I was in the band, I also uh, I, I had a full time job. I was working at Newberry Comics in Braintree, Massachusetts. And if you're not from New England, uh, Newberry Comics is a record shop, kind of like Amoeba Records on the West Coast, uh, but they, but they sell a lot of you know cool tchotchkes. And while I was working there, I received a tremendous amount of nicknames for my goofy coworkers. Uh, you know, they'd call me Johnny Appleseed. If I was late for work, they'd call me Johnny Come Lately. Uh, Johnny Cupcakes came out of nowhere. And I thought Johnny Cupcakes was so funny. It sounded like a, it sounded like a, like a mobster name or, uh, like a Pee Wee Herman mobster name or something. And I just, I don't know. I thought it would be funny to put on a t-shirt as a joke to advertise a bakery that didn't even sell anything. And I decided to do that while I was getting t-shirts made for the hardcore metal band I was in. Now, when I was in, uh, when I was at the charter school, one of the requirements to graduate was to get an internship. And that was the most valuable thing. Um, navigating my passion in school was having to get an internship. Um, and, and I don't think you're, you're never too old to, or too young to intern or to volunteer or to job shadow um, because it helps you find out much quicker what you want to do for the rest of your life and more importantly, what you do not want to do for the rest of your life. Um, so I had an internship at a silkscreen shop in Weymouth, Massachusetts called uh, Rainbow Screen. They did a lot of stuff for like lacrosse teams and uh, I was right on Route 3A. And uh, I would get t-shirts made for my band later on in life. And, you know, I'd, I'd always get like a good deal and I'd always get to see the shirts before they got printed and while they were getting printed if I wanted to. And I'd save money by picking up the shirts. So at that time i was able to print stuff um way more locally Uh, we still do some stuff locally but um this was almost in my backyard and i i wore one of those those shirts um i wore one of those johnny cupcake shirts to work 
And all of these slightly miserable customers that never made eye contact with me, they, they started laughing and smiling and, and saying, what is Johnny Cupcakes? Is that a bakery? Is that a, I think someone once asked me if it was an adult movie store. I was like, no, 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 no. This is just a, a t-shirt. This is a funny nickname someone gave me. And, and people were like, oh, I have a friend named Johnny and, and, you know, I love to bake or my, my friend loves to bake where can i get one of these johnny cupcakes t-shirts so enough people asked me that i decided to make more of these t-shirts that were once made as just a random social experiment you know and, and i knew you know i wanted to make a clothing line at some point in my life um during my adventures of being an entrepreneur that that did stick out but i didn't know it was going to be then um i thought it would spin off from the the flea scarves that I was making but um, the the scarf business failed the scarf business felt failed because um, summertime came around and nobody wanted to buy these warm <laughs> scarves anymore of course and, uh, but anyhow the Johnny cupcakes thing picked up um, before I knew it, I was poking fun at pop culture, replacing pop icons with cupcakes, whether it's the Statue of Liberty holding a cupcake instead of a torch or a, uh, a fighter plane dropping cupcakes instead of bombs. Yes, was, I remember uh, that one. Yeah, yep. I loved it. Loved it. There was a there was this, you know, some tough guys that would go into the record shop, Newberry Comics, wearing these skull and crossbone shirts. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a cupcake there instead. And guys thought it was funny and uh, Girls thought it was cute. Everyone thought it was random and unique, and it, it caused curiosity amongst and conversation amongst complete strangers. So I, I just kept making more of these shirts. And um, anytime I'd sell twelve T-shirts, I'd take that money. I'd make twenty-four shirts. I would not spend money on drinking on the weekends, and instead invest it into this brand. And it, it helped me pick up a, a bit more traction. Um, strangers started coming in saying. Psst, are, are you that cupcake guy? Where can I get one of those shirts? And I'm like, what do you need? I'll, I'll meet you in the back parking lot at eight o'clock. That's when my shift's over. And I'd sell them out of my, you know, my crusty beat up 89, um, gray silver Toyota Camry. And, um, and anytime I'd sell a shirt, I would, I would uh, try to give them something special again, like some vintage trading cards or some candy or a, a thank you note. And I would also, ask for their email address and I would stuff it into my glove box until my glove box was barfing out scrap paper um, and napkins that I wrote all these little notes on for my customers. And I would, you know, I'd email people when a new shirt would come out. And since I didn't have a store and I couldn't always sell stuff in the parking lot of where I worked, I would meet them at the South shore Plaza, you know, in the food court and just, um, just you know, make it work, and it kept growing and growing. And at one point, I started making more money than I made with my paycheck. And I decided to, you know, leave the record shop, leave Newberry Comics. I loved it; they were great, great company to work for. Uh, and then when I was in my hardcore metal band touring, I would sell these out of my suitcase. They were wrinkled up; they smelled like gas and fast food, but. <laughs> Anytime I wore a shirt, um, another band would ask about it 
And they'd either buy a shirt or I'd hook them up with a t-shirt, but then that band would tour around the world and then they'd get photographed in magazines. And before I knew it, I was getting, you know, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 full page advertisements for free because someone thought my shirt was funny or cute or, uh, or, you know, or I gave out a couple t-shirts here and there. And this this community of collectors started popping up. People wanted every design. Um, I made my I designed my first T-shirts on Microsoft Paint, the the best wow, that I yeah. could. Amazing. Um, <laughs> some of my other ones I, I did on um, Illustrator, um, but I soon realized that I was a much better idea person and a concept person than. Yeah, I have a hard time sitting still. That's why I went to the charter school. So to, to sit at a computer for a really long time and and create something um, was a very difficult task for me. So as my brand grew, I would take my drawings or my concepts um, or my wild ideas and I would... Um, and I'd work with other designers, uh, a lot of freelancers, just to mix things up. And I think if you're going to start a brand... Um, it's really tough to let go and to ask for help because you want to do everything. Absolutely. Uh, I was just going to ask about oh, that because like, you've grown it so, so large since that, th- those early days. And yeah, what, was it difficult, you know, to, to let go or how, how did you do it? So the brand kept growing from Newberry comics. I eventually left the band that I was in. Uh, I had a, I didn't want to half-ass both things. I wanted to focus on either Johnny Cupcakes or being in a hardcore metal band. And I, um, I chose the T-shirts because it was mysterious and scary, and I knew nothing about it. And that um, <laughs> that made me very curious. Um, so while we tour, when we were touring, I'd get up early. I'd, I'd go to other stores, and I'd ask to meet with the buyer of the stores. I got my shirt sold in a few stores, but most people told me to go to these different trade shows, and I didn't know what a trade show was. So I looked it up, and it was a, you know, few thousand dollars to get a small table for the weekend and in a very expensive hotel. And um, but I knew I had to do it, so I left the band, did the trade show, um, spent all the money I had and didn't have, and I. I um, started getting my t-shirts sold in stores in Italy, Japan, Australia, all over the U.S. It was great. It was all I ever wanted. I wanted to introduce my brand to, and make strangers smile. Um, I wanted to trick people and also make them feel good. And I, I eventually stopped getting paid on time. And at some instances, I didn't get paid at all. And that really hurt me um, emotionally and as of operating small business, it really hurt me. Um, so at an early age, I decided to not wholesale anymore and to go direct to my customers because when you sell to a store, um, which is like you said, you know, do you ever ask for help? Um, that is a helpful thing in a sense. Yeah, sure. Sure. But, um, when you sell to a store, you're no longer in control of the customer experience. You're no longer in control of how your product's displayed, if it goes on sale. Um, and then if you're too busy or if you're too trusting, there's some cases where you might not get paid on time or at all, and it could really hurt your your cash, your operating cash flow. Um, so I stopped wholesaling the stores. I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to go to 
you know, I'm going to go to more events and concerts and rent out tables at, you know, flea markets and farmers markets and craft fairs. And, and someday I'm going to open up my own store. Um, a store became available in, in Hull, Massachusetts. It was an old boat garage. And I, my dad and I, uh, converted into a, a retail store. It was great. 700 bucks a month for rent. Um, but at, at some point, um, I realized you get what you pay for. And not many people were walking by. We're near a gas station in a seasonal town. Um, we did utilize that space as an office, a shipping facility. We turned it into an art gallery and featured um, artists from, you know, from around the U.S. Uh, every, or from around Massachusetts every so often. And it was cool, but I eventually opened on Newberry Street. That was the turning point of my brand. This was uh, probably 12 and a half years ago from this interview. Yeah. And that was scary. I, I went from spending seven hundred bucks a month on rent to spending, you know, more than seven, eight thousand dollars a month on rent, plus the build out, plus the employees, plus the product to be there, plus the insurance, and um, that's a big leap, right? That, that's like the most expensive real retail real estate probably in in the state. It is, yeah, it is, it is, um, but. I sat on those steps and I counted people walking by and I realized, you know, even if I never changed my t-shirt designs, which would never happen, but even if I didn't, the people are changing. Um, you've got, I don't know the exact number, but what feels like about a million students around new England are moving in and out of the area every year for school. And when they leave, if they happen to purchase something from you, they're bringing your brand back to where they're from. Um, and then there was the convention center across the street and all this stuff lined up. And I was like, you know what? I got to take this risk. So I did it. And that opening day, we made around three months rent. It was unbelievable. I hired my mom uh, shortly in after. Day. In one day. Yep. I, I hired my mom to be the CFO of my brand shortly after she was able to quit her job in the city. And that's all I ever wanted to do was to spend more time with my family. That's what inspired me to be an entrepreneur at a young age. So it was this very, uh, very sweet moment. And, and that was the success to me was just finding a way to have time with, with my family. Um, and that store, as the, when we built it out, we set it up like a bakery, displayed T-shirts, culinary-themed T-shirts inside of industrial refrigerators. Uh, we package them in food containers. So when you buy a Johnny Cupcakes T-shirt, it comes in a pastry box. Um, I hide vanilla-scented vanilla scented car fresheners. I hide them in the heater vents of the store so you smell <laughs> frosting when you walk into the shop. Uh, my friend Boris actually... You know, was like Johnny. How, how did you do that? You know, and I was like, it's easy, man. You mix vanilla frosting with white paint, and he's like, really? I said, yeah. If you lick the wall right here, you could kind of taste it. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, really? I said, yeah. No one's been in the store yet. It's still new, so the wall's not dirty. You can lick it and taste it a little bit. And so we went over. He licked the wall, and he's like, I, I smell it still, but I, I don't taste it. And I said, Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding, man. It's, it's actually on this wall over here. And he went over to the other wall. He licked it, and then I ended up telling him. Um, but uh, yeah, he, we trick hungry people all the time. Um, now the store, uh, I've had a few stores. I, I had a store in Los Angeles for eight years. I had a shop in London for four years. I've done 
over 500 pop-up shops around the world, um, which I love everything about pop-up shops. And um, after having some retail stores, you know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of costs and a lot of things that just take up brain space um, from an operational standpoint. Um, But when you have a pop-up shop, you know, I've done, again, over 500 pop-up shops around the world and 99% of them I have not paid for rent. Um, We'll collaborate with other people and turn it into a collaborative event. People are excited to host the brand, but in return, we're bringing hundreds of new people to their place of business. If they want, we'll put their business cards in every order. Um, We'll bring someone to do photos. We'll hire someone to do video. But or, you know, if it's someone if it's in an area where we don't bring much value, you know, maybe we'll donate a percentage to a local charity or we'll let someone do a pop up shop, you know, at our place and we'll kind of swap spaces. But I've done pop up shops in people's backyards at barbecues in front of like, you know, 15 people. I've done pop up shops at like Facebook's headquarters. I've done them um, at real real bakeries at art galleries, but I love the more bizarre places where you can have these funny stories and connections and sometimes free food. Um, yes. but, but through that journey, yes, I've, I've definitely had to ask for help and wholesale wasn't for me. So I, I stopped doing that earlier on. Um, you know, I will work with different freelancers here and there. I have a few, uh, a couple full-time freelancers, uh, Dale Mallet and, or Malat is how you pronounce it, or he goes by Dillustration and, and Corey. Um, they both have been great. I do some stuff with, uh, you know, if we're doing a collaboration with a company, sometimes they have um, artwork in their archives that just uh, it, that you have to abide by and go by. So, um, you know, we have a set book of rules that you can't let Bugs Bunny's whiskers go in this direction or that direction. So <laughs> um, sometimes we use other people's artwork if, if it's a, you know, a licensing deal or a collaboration. Um do a few things with my buddy Travis uh, Price over in um, over in Australia, and and yeah, every now and then we'll mix it up with with some different designers here and there. But those guys are are um, you know with me um, you know a lot, and um, we have a lot of stuff in our archives too. You know, like I think when a brand has a logo, it's important to always have a handful of those shirts in stock, and uh, people want the classic logo, so we'll put different, um, you know, polka dots or stripes or, um, you know, different different bits in there. But, you know, at one point I did have um, a lot more employees, and I had a much bigger office, and um, it was it was great. And before I knew it, you know, I kept giving people raises and bonuses, but at the same time, my rent kept going up and the cost of shipping and printing kept going up. And, um, and then, you know, you have an independent brand and you make a few mistakes around the same time. You have to untangle that mess and and come up with a new solution. So, uh, we've, we've definitely 
figure out a way to adapt and it was it was heart-wrenching I, I had to you know I had to let go um, I think seven people in my office of 12 oh, wow. and yeah. you know I it was a big cry fest it was emotional I had people with me for a long time but um, I never I, I was never much of a numbers person um, I just was I just wanted to make fun things I was like Tom Hanks and big and I just wanted to do all this fun <laughs> stuff and um, you got to pay attention you got to hold people accountable you, you, you can't just um, I don't know But, but yeah, I had to make some big transitions. But within 24 hours, we, we started getting um, so much work done, more than we ever have, with twice as less people. And I think there was just a lot of things that could have been different. Like we had these meetings that never went anywhere, but we wanted to do them because it, I don't know, it just felt good having a meeting and doing a little show and tell what everyone's working on but it, it took up a lot of time i signed a lease for an office that was so big and you know it was like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year for this um for this space um plus all of the problems that came with it and it was tough but um the biggest thing i learned is is that you can do a lot with less and within 24 hours of making that that um that tough transition um, we started being 10 times as productive. Uh, we started having releases twice a week instead of a couple times a month. Um, but, you know, and, and I also learned how valuable it was to work with freelancers. So, um, you know, definitely um, I had my guy, Corey, uh, Corey Reifinger come down from, um, Connecticut and he, he moved here and with his family and it, it broke my heart to have to, you know, make this, this transition with my brand. But we, um, kept him on as a full-time freelancer, um, pretty much and trying to, you know, uh, go with the flow, but it, every business has it. I, I don't know. Have you had any, um, you know, uh, any moments in your, your time with the brand where you've had to make those tough decisions and yeah 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 certainly like especially early on you know we didn't we didn't know what we were doing at all and um you know a lot of this a lot of the things you're saying resonate <laughs> with me and in, in terms of wanting you know wanting to make things and that was like that was the the most fun of it for me and the rest of it is just as important but yeah um and it took a while you know i think i had a, a co-founder rich thornett and so that made that made it a little easier in that we we had complementary skills and but after you know after years of 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 trying to learn on the job you know we realized wow we we really need some help <laughs> and yeah. um i think that was the letting go part you know like we're it's hard to let go of oh, a, so something hard. you've created from scratch right and and that was that was really difficult. It still is difficult, to be honest. I think um, once you get to a better place, then then you realize it's 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 worth it. It is, it is. And I, you know, for me, I think my wake up call is when I I married a my my wife is an auditor, so completely different um, type of person. But she's uh, 
she's asked me a lot of difficult questions. She, she turns down, you know, most of my ideas and tells me they're not going to work. And at first it made me really sad. I was like, you know, this person doesn't even care about me. And 24 (laughs) hours would go by and I, and I'd be like, Oh my God, this person really cares about me. She, she's right. She's right. She's always right. And she would ask me difficult questions like, what does that person really do? And how do you hold them accountable? And how do you know they're really doing that? And I just, I didn't want to stand over an employee. And, you know, they were all my, I thought they were all like, we were this big group of friends. And I just had this, I don't know, I was young and I I wanted to have this clubhouse of friends more than, um, more than anything. And that, so I, I didn't feel comfortable standing behind someone and holding them accountable i I would rather just give everybody the benefit of the doubt because i'm a very trusting person and i like to think everyone is a good person and you know but i you know i own the company and i am cutting the checks so um you know there, there could definitely be some resentment if someone works with you but nobody really you know People want to be independent, but at the same time, they, they will take comfort um, being with somebody else, being with another brand. So, you know, um, I should have made that decision to let people go. I was advised to make that decision three years prior, but oh, wow. I, right. Um, right. I didn't have the heart to do it. So I kept making up, you know, maybe this collaboration with G-Shock or the Simpsons will be the big thing. Or um, we, we almost started dabbling in wholesale again, which is something I never, ever, ever wanted to do. And I think that was a wake up call for me because I started to sacrifice my brand beliefs to pay to pay for people that I essentially didn't need. And I don't say I didn't need like they were useless. They were all useful and they, they helped the brand grow tremendously, but it got to a point where, um, I grew way more internally before, um, externally with, you know, with our sales and and events and all that stuff. So, um, definitely, you know, love everyone and thank everybody that's been a part of the journey and, uh, wouldn't be here without them. But, um, now it's it's great. I'm learning to have a balance. I'm making time to um, be more present in my personal life, picking up old hobbies, um, you know, loving working with a, a smaller team. It's um, there's just a lot more clarity and a lot less noise. And um, but freelance is great. And I, I've definitely, you know, through dribble, I've definitely found um quite a few people over the years where I've had to get help on a couple one-off projects and, oh, right. Right on. and oh, you know, at first I'm like, you know, how many B's do I have to type in? Is it three? <laughs> Is it four? And I, then I try to think of the basketball and how many bounces you do. And, and then I was like, and then I remember seeing an address. I think it was Salem, Massachusetts. Was it? Yeah. And, yeah. And it's like, Graham, yeah. these guys are in Massachusetts. This is so wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, the the brand it's, it's a really wild story. It's something that you can't really explain to someone in in a, in a minute or two. Um, uh, That's true. Yeah. I mean, right? I, you know, and there's still a, a, an aspect of mystery to it. You know, which I think is yeah. fantastic, and and just kind of wanting to know what the story is, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, 
you know, you, you're in a better place now, like with the business and everything. What, where do you see, where, where do you want to take it next? Yeah. So oh, there's been so many different, different parts of the business. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when I was building out my Los Angeles shop, I worked with a company that builds Jeff Koons balloon animal sculptures. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I had a $60,000 budget and I spent over $600,000 to make ovens that, that don't cook anything. Oh my goodness. And this isn't, this isn't, I didn't, I didn't have, uh, you know, this magical bag of money and I didn't want any investors. So I gambled my house to get money to make ovens that don't really cook food. Um, because that, but that's how much I was willing to like give blood to make this Willy Wonka experience of a retail store. Right. And I, I knew in my heart that there has to be some value from it. So um, we received, you know, so they built ovens that open and close, shoot steam out at random times. The giant entrance to the shop is a 13 foot tall oven that secretly opens. You check out um, over a stovetop with fake fire. Um, so we made it impossible to not talk about and received you know, millions of dollars worth of free advertisement, free press features on TV, you know, Los Angeles times. Um, but as my lease was up, um, you know, and as I was experimenting with so many pop-up shops in how the flexibility, the less headaches and the finances are so much more flexible and, and fun and easy. Um, I just decided to do more pop-ups in Los Angeles and not renew the lease. And when I opened up that store, um, I did not negotiate. I was uh, in my early 20s, and I just wanted to move in. And it was in 2008, right before the recession. Oh, boy. Sure. And, uh, you know, I went in at almost $10 a square foot where everybody around me, um, you know, a couple months later are paying a dollar a square foot. Um, we still made it work and we still, you know, made a profit and built a community, but it wasn't, um, as flexible and profitable as it, as a pop-up shop. Um, and I learned that through experience. So, um, but yeah, over time, the, you know, each year we, we make a few million dollars in sales. Um, some more, some more than other years, depending on what risks we want to take and, and what, you know, big collaborations we have coming out. Um, but that is where we try to maintain the brand because it allows me to, you know, employ my mom and my sister and the, you know, um, Kelly and Mary and John and, and the people who've been with me for a really long time. And and it allows us to, um, you know, experiment with different projects to have our office and, um, that's awesome. And that's, yeah. And and we've got some great, great features on different, different spots, different magazines, television shows. Um, but you know, where do I want it to go? Uh, I think the past couple of years have been a great time for clarity, Um, I want to make time to be healthy. I want to make time to do more talks with, you know, with lovely podcasts like yours with, uh, um, 
I do a lot of speaking engagements, which I, I fell in love with just yeah. help. I wish I went to a talk when I was starting my brand because I could have saved, you know, millions of dollars worth of mistakes. Um, if I had just listened to what other people are screwing up on or succeeding at. Um, so uh, I want to be more present. Work is great. I love every part of it. And I love the team that we have. I love the, um, it's a well-oiled machine. We have new releases twice a week. And when we sell out of a product, we usually never make it again. So it becomes a collectible. We have a customer in Belgium on maze. She owns over, ah, she owns over a thousand Johnny cupcakes, t-shirts. Um, Wow. You know, we have a lot of, lot of people that own more than 100 Johnny Cupcake shirts. I've met more than 2,000 people with Johnny Cupcakes tattoos. 2,000 people. Oh, I've seen neck tattoos, face tattoos, back tattoos. I've seen a t- I saw a tattoo on someone's tooth. I don't know how they did it, but I like to call it a tattooth. Um, I've seen tattoos in places I wish I didn't see. But uh, everyone's been inspired and motivated to to start their own business or live a healthier lifestyle. Um, And then I started being invited to do some creative consulting for some different brands. Um, One big one was, um, was uh, Gillette. Uh, We brought back their mascot from the 1950s and we um, did a campaign for father's day a few years back. Um, Have a potential project with Mondelez uh, right now. They own Sour Patch Kids, Oreos, uh, Nutter Butter, uh, Trident. Um, But that's that's where I get a lot of fulfillment is going into someone else's space, someone else's company, and giving the owners or the team a bunch of ideas. And then it's like I could get my... um, my inability to sit still works out to my advantage when I can go into another person's environment. So for the future, yeah, I want to do more consulting, more creative consulting, um, more speaking engagements. I'm working on a book right now. Um, the brand I love the, thank you. I I love with the brand, um, you know, just, just keeping it, um, keeping it the way it is just i don't want to be in a million stores i don't want to i don't want to sell out i don't want to getting get any investors um this maybe this will change someday in the future but uh i've been going strong for uh we're coming up on our 18th year of being in business um and uh, very, very proud of everything that the team has accomplished. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think one day I want to open a haunted house. Um, <laughs> that, that would be pretty sweet. I'd like to write children's books. Um, and I, I, I want to be a dad too. Um, that's my, my big thing too. I, and I want to be pre- a present dad. So right now I'm trying to put a lot of things in place so that I can, um, I can be a really cool dad. And, and that's, that's really my number one, one goal. Um, you probably already have a, a children's line. Right? We, we do make shirts for kids. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So I think, I think that's going to expand doing more kid stuff. We did some shirts for dogs recently. We even made our own poo-poo bags so you could pick up your poo in style. Yeah. I need some of those. It's our, our crappiest product yet, but, um, people are, <laughs> people are digging it. 
And, you know, yeah, I don't know. Jealous. I, you're, you're having so much fun. I, I am. I am having fun. Don't, I had a, have had a couple bumps in the road, but every bump is a learning experience. I, I screw up every day. Today, I woke up to a call that my summer shop on Martha's Vineyard um, was flooded. There's a foot or two feet of water in the store, and... Uh, and uh, and last week our heat broke in Boston when it was zero degrees and I, you know, obviously sent, uh, we sent our employees home and had to, you know, we, we had to pay, which is totally fine. We, we offered to pay everyone's shifts while they were home, but we weren't able to conduct business. And the first 10 things we tried getting the heater fixed didn't work. Um, every day it's something, but y- you have to have a sense of humor if you're going to be a business owner or you're going to be a very sad business owner. Um, I I think the biggest thing entrepreneurship teaches you is the ability to adapt, to roll with the punches. Um, And if you can have a team of people who approach problems with solutions rather than panic, then you can accomplish some pretty cool things. And if you're not afraid to ask for help and to switch things up when you're not having fun anymore, um, you know, you just, you you can never lose focus on why you started doing what you do. And, um, it's a great reminder when you listen to cool podcasts like this, or when you go to a business seminar or a networking event, um, and you got to make time to talk to other people. It's like therapy, um, talking to other people that own businesses. Um, it really is. But it's it's also okay to work for someone else too. And there's definitely been times where I've said, you know, I, that would be kind of cool to shut things off at five, six o'clock and not think about anything for the rest of the night. Um, but but I do, you know, we we have a lot of bad reviews on all the food websites out there because people get upset that we don't sell real food. So, um, have you ever sold cupcakes? And this is a dumb we did, you know, so we did sell cupcakes on April Fool's Day, and we hid all of our T-shirts, and we had customers that drove down from you know New York City, you know New Hampshire. And we said, why would we sell cupcakes? Why would we sell t-shirts? We sell cupcakes. This is Johnny Cupcakes. And we videotaped everyone's reactions. And uh, you can view the video on YouTube if you type in Johnny Cupcakes April Fool's Day. Oh, we're going uh, to link that up in the show. And, and if, if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll be able to see a lot of these things that I'm, I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One more thing I'd love uh, some of the listeners to, to hear about, just to give you an idea of, of um, a better idea of the brand. Yeah. Around Halloween, we released, we released Halloween-themed shirts. And, you know, I always thought it would be fun to release scary shirts at nighttime. So the only time you could buy them is if you go out in the dark to buy, to get your scary shirt. And we even went as far as making uh, movie titles for movies that don't exist, like Count Spatula and Rise of the Two-Headed Zombie Chefs. And we put the titles on the shirts. And um, and we made movie trailers on YouTube for movies that don't exist. And these were like, you know, you would think there's a real movie coming out. We worked with real actors, special effects people that have worked on, you know, popular movies. Um, wow. And then to make it even more exciting, we um, we showed movies in the windows. We had a costume contest 
um, at the shop, uh, my flagship shop on 279 Newbury Street in Boston. And people came out from all over the place. Uh, even people that didn't want to buy something um, came out for the chance to win. So we were able to create a community of customers. We rented a popcorn machine. Um, our employees dressed up like zombies, like movie theater attendants. And we packaged the T-shirts inside VHS tapes. Um, so you get your movie-themed the- movie shirt inside of an, a VHS tape uh, that you can collect. And they all had different graphics on them. And uh, But what else can you do to, like, you know, where do you go from there? And I, I was like, you know what, let's, let's rent out a hearse and a coffin from a creepy guy on Craigslist for $220. So I did, and I got personally delivered inside of a real hearse in a real coffin when we opened the doors to this t-shirt release um you know uh it was definitely scary being in that that coffin well, yeah how, how long were you in the coffin that's incredible. longer than you think because i wanted to build up excitement and hype and drive around the block quite a few times <laughs> um so it was quiet in there. I think I found a piece of hair on me that was not my hair. Um, wow. I think that that really got me. But but you know what? That small investment got people talking about this oh, for bet. life. And, and we had a line of customers across the street that was as big as the line of customers on our side of the street, filled with people trying to figure out, what the heck was going on? Um, and every one of our customers acted as a brand ambassador and shared the story. And, um, and it was great. So I've, you know, I've rented out ice cream trucks in different cities where we've sold ice cream themed shirts and ice cream themed packaging out of ice cream trucks with real ice cream that we gave out with each purchase. We've done collaborations with Ninja Turtles, with Hello Kitty, with Looney Tunes, uh, with Power Rangers, with Marilyn Monroe's estate. Um, we're working on a, a really big project um, this year, probably our biggest project yet. So that'll be a fun surprise. Um, so yeah, I mean, keeping keeping people surprised, keeping the mystery, uh, making people feel good, always thanking customers, always coming out with new fun packaging. Uh, we work with hundreds of charities every year. We don't, you know, always announce it, but every day we have requests coming in, and we, you know, we put together gift baskets for um, auctions for charity events. So if uh, anyone listening has a charity that's near and dear to their heart, um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, well, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, another thing that puts your company and your work-life balance into play is, is health. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a near-death experience to realize how, how valuable your time and, and, and your happiness is. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I got in an accident once with my band and we were supposed to be dead. We flipped over three and a half times on, uh, route 85 in North Carolina. Um, that put things into perspective. You know, my mom, um, was in Barbados, uh, in October and she was walking on a crosswalk and her and her friend got struck by a vehicle. Um, someone stopped, but another car rushed around that vehicle and it killed my mom's friend on the scene. And my mom, um, was, you know, not, we didn't think she was going to make it. And she, we had to get her med flighted back here. Um, so 
you know, when things like this happen, she's, she's on a road to recovery actually tomorrow. She's, she gets to go back home. She's learning to eat again, learning to walk again. And, wow. um, you know, it's been, been a very, uh, unpredictable and, and a very difficult, um, few months, um, or year for me, but, um, these are all just reminders to, to, to slow down and to, to, make more time and even though you know you build a company for freedom but easily that company can turn into um could turn into a time suck or 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 your own prison if you don't um learn to say no and if you don't um build different processes and and hire the right team um so yeah, my, my goal is to family number one, family, family number one, always, it always has been, but even more so now, I just, I, I would rather make less sales and be at my store or office less. And I, I don't need, you know, it's nice to maintain a few million dollars a year each year, but I, um, you know, as long as I could keep my employees and have a little room to, to play with, to make the brand magical and, and to have just in case a store explodes or uh, a water pipe breaks, um, you know, I, I could get yeah. by. Um, you started uh, by saying, you know, you got into this to spend more time with your family and, and yeah. uh, it kind of, we kind of came full circle there. I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I do spend time with them because my, I work with my mom every day and I work with my sister every day and I see them every day and it's great. Um, but I, I mean, I want to make more time for my cousins and my cousins, kids and my future family. And, um, well, that's super inspiring, man. It really is. Uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah, Johnny. yeah. This, anytime, anytime. It's been really inspiring on a lot of levels and, uh, just, you know, hearing the stories of, uh, from you it's just uh it's so cool people obviously can they can find you if they're in boston newbury street in boston but you know johnnycupcakes.com yep yep um at johnny cupcakes on instagram twitter youtube um facebook and you know yeah God, i could i could tell you so many stories but you, if you don't live near Boston, there's a chance you could still be a part of a Johnny Cupcakes experience. Um, a year, two years ago, I started a program uh, called the Cake Dealer Program. So um, we Cake teach, <laughs> yeah. So we we teach entrepreneurship to Johnny Cupcakes customers in different states, and we teach them how to run successful pop-up shops, how to be an event planner, how to utilize social media. And we give them, uh, we give them 30% of whatever they make. And then they can also earn extra bonuses every month. So as I'm speaking with you now, there are people doing Johnny cupcakes, pop-up shops in different States or planning them. And it's giving me more time to be with my family and it's giving them, and we get to share this entrepreneurial journey with other people by giving them the keys to the brand. Um, there are a lot of cities that we don't have cake dealers in yet. So if there are any, you know, any creatives that are listening that are want to have a little side hustle, um, feel free to, you know, hit us up on our website. There's more information about that. What a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like, 
it's almost like a franchise in a way, right? Yeah, you know, and it and I got to go back to my my Tupperware roots a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, um, right, right, but, right. But yeah, yeah. It, it's a very personalized franchise. We don't let anybody do it. It's a very strict interview process, and, and you're, and you're um, teaching them teaching them some invaluable lessons. Yep, right? yep, teaching yeah. them as much as we as we can and sometimes we learn from them too i i don't have it all figured out i never studied business i never studied design i make mistakes every day but i don't i don't care about making mistakes i look at every mistake as an experiment and experimenting is how you grow and um i'm just a little guy who's not afraid to fail so any if I can do this with something as weird as cupcakes on t-shirts, every single person can come up with a cool idea. You just have to roll with the punches, have fun, have, be, be able to ask for help, um, you know, make time to learn. And if something doesn't work out, you know, I started 16 businesses before this one. So you, <laughs> other doors will open for you if, if you stay open-minded and stay positive. Um, everything's valuable that you learn the mistakes more than the success because it, it keeps you on your toes and you never forget those experiences. So, um, keep your head up, everybody. You got this. I love it, man. It's such great advice. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Johnny, for being you here. You got it. And we'll uh, the listeners can come to the shop sometime where you and I are going to do a, a live uh, a live Q&A at some point at the Johnny Cupcake Shop. Oh, and, yes. We have to make it happen. Uh, and do abs- a special edition dribble t-shirt, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now that would be incredible. Uh, yeah, so actually stay tuned for that. We'll keep everybody updated. Um, yeah, thanks again, Johnny Cupcakes. Anytime. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you do have feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. Shoot me an email, dan at dribble.com, with any uh, feedback or suggestions for how to make the show better. And also, please rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate that, too. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.